The world's most famous gunfight didn't happen where you think it did, and it only lasted for 30 seconds. But the spat between the lawmen Earps and the cowboy Clantons is one of the most enduring legends of America. And really, how long does a gunfight need to last? The town it happened in is one of the few places you can truly step back in time and be there, much as it was, at 3 p.m. on Wednesday, October 26th, 1881. I'm Jason Epperson, and this is the See America podcast. From coast to coast, we see America one mile at a time, discovering stops along the way that are eclectic, historic, ridiculous, breathtaking, inspiring, and humbling. This week, one of the last boom towns in the American frontier, Tombstone, Arizona. This great destination is brought to you by Road Trippers, America's number one road trip planning app. Road Trippers helps people discover the world around them in an entirely new way by streamlining discovery, planning, booking, and navigation. Plan your unique journey at roadtrippers.com, then use the app as your ultimate travel guide and navigator. Adventure doesn't come from the fastest route. Start exploring at roadtrippers.com. The town of Tombstone was established on Goose Flats, a mesa above the Good Enough Mine. Within two years of its founding, although far distant from any other metropolitan area, Tombstone had a bowling alley, four churches, an ice house, a school, two banks, three newspapers, and an ice cream parlor, alongside 110 saloons, 14 gambling halls, and numerous dance halls and brothels. All of these businesses were situated among and atop many silver mines. The mining capitalists and the townspeople were largely northerners. Many of the ranchers, some of whom were also cattle rustlers, were Confederate sympathizers. The booming city was only 30 miles from Mexico, and it was an open market for cattle stolen from ranches across the border by a loosely organized gang known as the Cowboys. The Earp brothers, Wyatt, Virgil, and Morgan, as well as Doc Holliday, arrived in Tombstone in 1879, with Virgil set to become the town marshal. They immediately entered into conflicts with cowboys Ike and Billy Clanton, Frank and Tom McClary, and Billy Claiborne. The cowboys repeatedly threatened the Earps over many months until the conflict escalated into a shootout on October 26, 1881. The historic gunfight is often portrayed as occurring at the OK Corral, though it actually occurred a short distance away in an empty lot on Fremont Street. With the story of that fateful day, here's Abigail Trebu. When Morgan Virgil and Wyatt Earp arrived in Tombstone, the small town was mostly composed of tents as living quarters a few saloons, and of course, the mines. Virgil had been hired as Deputy U.S. Marshal for Eastern Pima County, with his offices in Tombstone only days before his arrival. In June 1881, he was also appointed as Tombstone's Town Marshal. Virgil was, by most counts, a fair lawman, 
who looked out for local businesses and even stood up for outlaws like Curly Bill, who were facing vigilante justice. But the conflicts between the law and the cowboys festered for months until it reached a boiling point. Ike Clanton had been up all night on a bender after confronting famed gambler and friend of the Earps, Doc Holliday, and playing poker against Virgil Earp, Sheriff Johnny Behan, and Tom McLarry until morning. At dawn, the card game broke up and Behan and Earp went home to bed. Clanton told a bartender who was trying to get him to leave and get some sleep that, as soon as the Earps and Doc Holliday showed themselves on the street, the ball would open, that they would have a fight the bartender warned the Earps. Later in the morning, Ike picked up his rifle and revolver from the West End Corral, where he had deposited them due to Virgil's no-weapons-in-town law. By noon, Ike was still drinking and now armed, in violation of the city ordinance. He told anyone who would listen he was looking for Holiday or an Earp. At about 1 p.m., Marshal Virgil and his deputy Morgan Earp found Ike on 4th Street still armed. Virgil pistol-whipped him from behind and disarmed him. The Earps took Ike to appear before a judge for violating the ordinance. Justice Wallace fined Ike $25, equivalent to $660 today, plus court costs. Ike paid the fine, and Virgil told Ike he could pick up his confiscated rifle and revolver at the Grand Hotel, which was favored by cowboys when in town. Meanwhile, outside the courthouse, Deputy Marshal Wyatt Earp ran into Tom McLarry, who was armed. Wyatt pistol-whipped him as well, leaving him bleeding on the street. Since Wyatt was an off-duty officer, he could not legally search or arrest Tom for carrying a revolver within the city limits. It was early afternoon by the time Ike and Tom had seen doctors for their head wounds. The day was chilly, with snow still on the ground. Both Tom and Ike had spent the night gambling, drinking heavily, and without sleep. Now they were both out of doors, both wounded from head beatings, and at least Ike was still drunk. Ike's 19-year-old younger brother, Billy Clanton, and Tom's older brother, Frank McLarry, arrived in town around 2 p.m. They had heard from the neighbor that Ike had been stirring up trouble in town overnight, and they had ridden into town on horseback to back up their brothers. Both Frank and Billy were armed with a revolver and a rifle, as was the custom for riders in the countryside outside Tombstone. They first stopped at the Grand Hotel on Allen Street and were greeted by Doc Holliday and learned of their brother's beatings. Virgil initially avoided a confrontation with the newly arrived duo. A miner was in the OK Corral at 2.30 p.m. when he saw the two Clantons and the two McLaurys in earnest conversation across the street. He went up the street, notified Sheriff Behan, and told him that it was his opinion that they meant trouble, and it was his duty, as sheriff, to go and disarm them. He then went and saw Marshal Virgil Earp and notified him to the same effect. Sheriff Johnny Behan, a friend of the Cowboys, said he disarmed them, but he didn't. So Virgil confronted them. Several members of the Citizens Vigilance Committee offered to support him with arms, but Virgil refused. Virgil gave a shotgun to Doc Holliday, who hid it under his overcoat. He took Holliday's walking stick in return. Virgil Morgan and Wyatt Earp with Doc Holliday walked west. 
down the south side of Fremont Street, past the rear entrance to the OK Corral, but out of sight of the Cowboys' last reported location. They ran into Sheriff Behan, who said, For God's sakes, don't go down there or they will murder you. The Earps walked further down Fremont Street and came into full view of six cowboys standing in a row. When the Earps approached the lot, Virgil Earp was not expecting a fight. Once Behan said that he disarmed the cowboys, Virgil moved Doc's cane to his right hand and shifted the pistol in his waistband from the right side to his left. Holiday still concealed the short shotgun under his long jacket. Wyatt, too, was not expecting a fight and put his pistol in his overcoat pocket. Billy Clanton and Frank McLaurie wore revolvers and holsters on their belts and stood alongside their saddled horses with rifles. When Virgil saw the cowboys, he commanded them, Throw up your hands, I want your guns. Frank McLaurie and Billy Clanton drew and cocked their single-action, six-shot revolvers. Virgil yelled, Hold on, I don't want that. Who started shooting first is not certain. Accounts by both participants and eyewitnesses are contradictory. The smoke from the black powder used in the weapons aided to the confusion of the gunfight in the narrow space. Those loyal to one side or the other told conflicting stories, and independent eyewitnesses were uncertain. But most agree that the first two shots came from either side and were indistinguishable from each other. Billy Clanton leveled his pistol at me, but I did not aim at him, Wyatt testified later. I knew that Frank McLaurie had the reputation of being a good shot and a dangerous man, and I aimed at Frank McLaurie. He said he shot Frank McLaurie after both he and Billy Clanton went for their revolvers. The first two shots were fired by Billy Clanton and myself, he shooting at me and I shooting at Frank McLaurie. Earp shot Frank McLaurie in the stomach. Ike Clanton had been publicly threatening to kill the Earps for several months. However, when the gunfight broke out, Clanton ran forward and grabbed Wyatt, exclaiming that he was unarmed and did not want to fight. Go to fighting or get away, Wyatt said. And Clanton ran through the front door of Fly's boarding house and escaped unwounded. Like Ike, Billy Claiborne was unarmed. He and cowboy Wes Fuller, who had been at the rear of the lot, also ran as soon as the shooting began. According to the tombstone epitaph, Wyatt Earp stood up and fired in rapid succession as cool as a cucumber and was not hit. Morgan Earp fired at Billy Clanton, who drew his gun right-handed. Morgan's shot hit Billy in the right wrist. Forced to shift the revolver to his left hand, Clanton continued shooting until he emptied the gun. Virgil and Wyatt were now firing. Morgan tripped and fell over a newly buried waterline and fired from the ground. Though wounded, Billy Clanton and Frank McLurie kept shooting. One of them, perhaps Billy, shot Morgan Earp across the back in a wound that struck both shoulder blades and a vertebra. Morgan went down for a minute before picking himself up. Either Frank or Billy shot Virgil in the calf. Virgil, though hit, fired his next shot at Billy Clanton. 
Frank, now entirely across Fremont Street and still walking at a good pace, fired twice more before he was shot in the head under his right ear by either Morgan or Holiday. The whole event lasted 30 seconds and about 30 rounds were fired. Doc Holliday was bruised by a bullet fired by Frank that struck his holster and grazed his hip. Virgil was shot through the calf. Morgan was struck across both shoulder blades. Wyatt Earp was unhurt. Tom McLurry, his brother Frank, and Billy Clanton were killed. As the wounded lawmen were carried to their homes, they passed in front of the sheriff's office, and Johnny Behan told Wyatt Earp, I will have to arrest you. Wyatt paused two or three seconds and replied, I won't be arrested today. In the mid-1880s, the silver mines dug too deep. They penetrated the water table, and the tombstone mining companies had to make significant investments in specialized pumps to get it out. But a fire in 1886 destroyed the pumping plant, and it was unprofitable to rebuild. The city nearly became a ghost town saved only because it was the county seat until 1929. The city's population dwindled to a low of 646 in 1910, and it's barely doubled since. Tombstone now bills itself as the most authentic Western town left in the United States, and they may be right. Today, you can walk the very same streets the Earps and the Cowboys did, and into the historic buildings where a game of pharaoh or poker would have called to the weary miner or even inside the silver mine, where that precious dollar was once earned. There are plenty of small museums, history tours on foot by stagecoach or trolley, underground mine experiences, paranormal adventures, shopping, dining, and of course, gunfight reenactments. This episode of See America was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, with narration by Abigail Trebu. If you like the show, we'd love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'd also like to invite you to follow the See America podcast on Instagram and Facebook and join the See America Facebook group, where we chat about some of America's greatest road trip destinations. If you're a national park lover, we hope you'll also check out the America's National Parks podcast or come listen to Abigail and me talk about our life on the road with our three boys on the RV Miles podcast. This great destination was brought to you by Road Trippers, America's number one road trip planning app. Plan your unique journey at roadtrippers.com, then use the app as your ultimate travel guide and navigator. Adventure doesn't come from the fastest route. Start exploring at roadtrippers.com. Thank you.